Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. First day of the second half of the year, first day of a new month, JP. And does it look like the markets are reacting positively? And a new positive? half of that as well. Yeah, right, right. Yes, the second half of the year has started and three words, four words that is, uh, we are now talking. Right, that's we are pretty talking. Much what, what, that's pretty much what's driving market and giving more courage to markets again. And everybody is back on the table. Everything, Everyone is uh, coming back uh, to the trading tables, that is. And you're seeing the Straits Times Index is starting off the second half very strongly, up by about 1.25%. Mm-hmm. So that's a 41 points. And I think the, I think the question, I think, uh, I guess the challenge now for the Straits Times Index, if they're looking for a uh, goal for this week also, is Maybe, just maybe 3,400 is possible if uh-huh. the positive sentiment continues. And again, this comes down to the fact that uh, we, we've seen an escalation in tensions averted. And right. also both sides are now talking again. But keep in mind, both sides have also said, hey, guys, we just started talking again. Don't read too much into this. China, for on one, said also, and the Chinese foreign ministry said the other day that, look, we although we have started talking again, we have seen the de-escalation in tensions. There's, it's a long road ahead for before we actually achieve a deal with the United States. And the U.S. also echoed the same sentiments. Mm-hmm. They said, look, we're dropping the tariffs for now. We're allowing Huawei. Uh, we're lifting the blacklisting on Huawei, but we're going to only uh, U.S. producers to sell parts to Huawei for some of their more widely accepted uh, on the products, such as, say, cell, m- mobile phones, smartphones, mm-hmm. things that are widely accepted and widely distributed in the markets already. But it is a reprieve. You know, they've, they've lifted a hand off. Uh, instead of uh, pushing Huawei down with two hands, they've lifted the left hand off. So that at least gives Huawei a little bit of breathing room. It right. gives some of their suppliers a little bit more space to breathe. And you're seeing that also have an effect and just lifting the sentiments for markets across Asia. The Straits Times Index, as we mentioned, up uh, to about 3,362. Some of the best gainers so far today. The banks are all up by double digits. Take a look at DBS today, up by 2.4%. And they're only being bested by the likes of Capitaland, up by 2.5%. Indofood Agri, though, is up by 16.1% so far today. And we're going to try to look for some uh, leads. Perhaps there's some progress there with regards to Indo uh, Indofood right. successes uh, bid for Indofood Agri. But their stock is up so far today. And, uh, and we'll have to parse through that. AEM happens to be a very interesting stock that's up by about 5% in this session also. Keep in mind that among the uh, manufacturers and in uh, Singapore, AEM might have some of the more significant exposure to Huawei. They do count Huawei as a big customer. They right. do supply a lot of uh, testing equipment for Huawei's cables also. They arguably have the most exposure on the Straits Times Index to Huawei itself. And AEM just getting a little bit more of a bump up than other um, manufacturers on the, Stra- on the Straits Times Index, on the SGX. Venture Corp's up by about 4.2% so far today. It's gains to be had across the board. There are two notable losers so far in the STI, and that's Singtel, which was the best performing stock for the second quarter. They're down by about 0.6%, perhaps some profit takers just sh- just taking a little bit off the top from the country's largest telco. And the SGX also down by about 0.6% so far. But they are arguably the two notable losers on a day on a day where we're seeing a lot of wins, not just for local markets here, but also markets across the region. Take a look at how, say, the Nikkei 225 is doing up 2% so far. Markets across greater China all in the green. The Shanghai, uh, the Shenzhen Composite, sorry, up by about 3.3%. Uh, the, it's mostly green across most markets, including here mm-hmm. in, the, in, uh, in Singapore. 
Well, that's good news for everybody, I think. Sigh of relief and everything. But don't get too excited because talking is not a deal. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of folks are actually pointing out, even some of the market strategists here in Singapore, the likes of Fokuda Haozhou. He's an economist out of Commerce Bank who covers China uh, extensively. He has said that this is just them talking at the moment. Mm-hmm. And remember, t- the words are not exactly concrete yet. It's just that they have they have picked up the phone and said, all right, fine. I'm not I'm not that mad at you anymore. <laughs> Let's get back to the discussion table. Panjing of IG Markets also recently said that, you know, this is also um, this we can't read too much into this just yet. And we have to at least uh, temper ourselves also and have a little bit more sensibility, actually. And th- this is just the words by a number of these analysts that the folks at Bloomberg actually spoke to. So, yeah, it is true. Like wor- words, perhaps it's enough to let, let to give you some confidence to come out, uh, come out strong for the second half. But we'll need to see something more tangible on the table. And that could take a long time. Before. We have been down this road. It kind of feels like... like deja uh, the, vu. Deja vu or just the remake of a, of, of a very scary movie. <laughs> so I, I hope this one has a happier ending, at least, than the last uh, the, the last. I think everyone in the world is hoping for that. That, that is, yes, that, yes that, that, that is the hope at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so you did bring up capital land stocks today. Today is a bit of a milestone for Capital Land because we did announce earlier this year that Capital Land had done the acquisition of Ascend to Singbridge. Mm-hmm. Today is the day where it actually is completed. So it's official, done and dusted, unlike the trade talks where it was all talk. Right. Now this is the day where they actually sign, where they actually shake hands, sign the deal, and two become one at the moment, take the pictures. And now they are officially one of Asia's largest diversified real estate players, over $123 billion Singapore dollars in assets under management. Of course, one of the big questions here also is a very strong leadership team at Ascend to Singbridge. You also have a very strong leadership team, obviously, at Capital Land. So how would you actually combine or what, what, would, your combi- what would your starting 11 be now mm-hmm. with regards to these two particular companies? So Ascend to Singbridge's chief officer and CFO, Jonathan Yap Tong, will be the president of Capital Land Financial starting, starting today also. And this following the acquisition of Ascend to Singbridge, we're also seeing that he will oversee the main board's uh, the Capital Lands are a prop uh, India business also, so he's taking a very key key role in that particular in that particular space. And uh, we're also seeing a number of other, uh, just a lot of uh, uh, other executives actually being fitted. And we're see- and we have to wait for more details actually as to who's taking mm. what role. But again, this is a big. Uh, the combination itself is quite big, and I think it's got a couple of people excited actually to look at Capital Land and Ascend the Singbridge. Keep in mind too that uh, these are two significant uh, players in the property space. So again, if we start to see interest rates come down in the U.S. and monetary policy come down, you see lower rates. This will also give them an additional boost. So, so this behemoth will actually get a bit of a booster if these rates come down. Also, Capital Land's uh, doing rather well today, two point six percent up. Their stock trading at three dollars and sixty two cents so far. All right. Well, that's good news. I think. Everyone's happy about this deal then. Mm, it seems so. I mean, I think everyone's excited about the deal. And I think uh, it's a good problem to have when you have uh, a bevy of, uh, of management talent. And now you have to figure out, well, how do I fit all of you on this team at the moment? And, and it'll be they don't it'll be very interesting. Anyone. I'm sure they don't want to lose anyone. I think they, they want to be able to be. And I'm sure even if I was in the management team, and I'd see all of this. I get the chance to work with all of these great peers mm-hmm. also. It'll be very interesting to just see how, how they start parsing out the roles also. And definitely they're not done. At least announcing some of these some of these changes. Well, we'll have to see how Capital Land does. All right. Uh, well, how, manages this at least. Always a very important uh, information there. Who's the boss? Who's running things? 
who the executive team is. Right. And it seems like at least for the first few decisions they've made, people like it. So far, so good. Asanda Singbridge, at least as a, a CEO and CFO, will be getting a, a significant position. But keep in mind that, that the C, group CEO of Capital and Lee Chi Kun will probably still have a prominent uh, leadership role there. He has also said the completion marks the coming together of two leading real estate players as one unified entity. And because of that, they're going to have fully integrated capabilities in four core markets, Singapore, China, Mm -hmm. India, Vietnam. And these are all the end, with the exception of Singapore, which is actually facing some recession, some recession threats. China, India, Vietnam, all economies that are growing at least 6% and above. And uh, they've got growing middle classes. And when you have a growing middle class, they're going to need places to live, properties to invest in, also real estate properties to invest in. It's better to go at it when you've got a when when you've got a bigger portfolio, or you've mm. got a bigger, or if you're a bigger entity, and they don't get much bigger than Capital and Ascendancing Bridge at the moment. All right, turning our attention to oil, Iran is the only major OPEC nation yet to uh, speak publicly about the need to extend production cuts? Well, okay, so that is the case, but we are actually getting some news that Iran has actually agreed on principle, to to back the OPEC Plus agreement. Of course, the OPEC Plus agreement, as you know, is what has kept oil prices um, uh, steady above 50, 60 a barrel in, in recent years. Also, they are trying to curb the supply glut. So the question now is, do we extend it? OPEC Plus, which is OPEC, Russia, and other key non-OPEC members have agreed, have, seem to have agreed on principle to extend the cuts to early 2020. But they have said, look, we will need to, de- we have, we'll have to wait for Iran to come on board because despite... Iran's frayed relations with uh, fellow OPEC heavyweight Saudi Arabia. Iran happens to be one of the five largest producers of oil in the world, so you'll need them to come in. So Iran and their minister of petroleum, Bijan Zangane, has actually said that in principle they will support this at the moment, but they said that any deal will be mi- meaningless unless they have unanimity within OPEC and that and that if there's even a little bit of dissension, this mm-hmm. thing is not going to hold. So uh, Iran, uh, Iran coming in and saying, you know, this is going to be good for everybody, but but at the end of the day, talks of OPEC non OPEC agreements will be will be meaningless unless we unless they have neighboring states who will also who will come together. They've also called for uh, other states to stop their uh, to stop their frosty relations against Iran and some of the attacks they've had on Iran. Iran, of course. Uh, is facing a lot of pressure also from the United States mm-hmm. because of the allegations that they have attacked uh, certain tankers in that region. Sure. And uh, and they're, at least they're calling for unity in OPEC if they want to push this deal forward. Again, do if they do sign off on this and agree to extend those output cuts, we could see oil continue to rise and get support. The only bogeyman, of course, will be that the shale oil production in the United States. And if they continue to pump oil out, this could uh, curtail any attempts to send oil up to 80, 90 a barrel at the moment. So, we'll, we'll, so but again, this at least will give them also a bit of support, a bit of a, a bit of a, a floor at least, for lack of a better term. I would not want to see oil go up to 80, 90 dollars. None of us do, especially especially <laughs> folks who drive. I mean, I I remember the days in 2015, back in the middle, where I'd see oil coming in at about. Uh, I believe it, it was coming in at about a Singapore dollar a liter at one point. And oh yeah, it, and it was great. I mean, I took I took so many surf trips during those years. It was good times, but uh, nothing lasts forever. Not even cheap oil. So no, no, I guess not. Okay, rest of the day. Do you think we'll break thirty four hundred today? Thirty four hundred today. Let's see. Um, I don't think that's going to be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put my chips on it. No. I think this is something that is going to be a goal or a an aspiration for 
the Straits Times Index for this week. Right. You're going to probably need to give it a little bit more time because after, whenever you see markets especially come up by about 1.3%, 2% in, in, some, in the case of some other markets, you tend to see traders go, wait a minute, have we taken this a little too far? Should we probably try to catch our breath at the moment? I wouldn't be surprised if uh, traders decide to just uh, steady this and maybe at the most cap gains today at about 1.5%. So 3,400 might be a little bit too far, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 3,400 was achieved sometime this week or probably by Thursday or so, barring again any any uh, any big any big negative catalyst that actually causes a sell-off in the markets. But currently, everyone's still riding high on the fact that the, the coast is clear. The worst has been averted with regards to the U.S.-China trade war, and that's been giving a lot of uh, markets here and across the region some ammo to actually move for up. All right, so you're, you're thinking there's going to be a little bit of dancing around that number. I think there's going to be a little bit of dancing for now. Uh, I think 3,400 is something that can be achieved uh, in the next couple of days. Let's give it a little bit more time, I think, uh, before this this soup actually bubbles to that level. All right. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon with J.P. Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero, Money FM 89.3. Don't forget, J.P. Ong comes back on primetime at 4 p.m. for all your latest market updates. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.